Bible is a potent, transformative book. Not only is it a mirror that shows you your life, but it takes any person from their chaotic state, reorients them by the gospel, and brings order in their life. And that is the progression. We are, we all are a chaotic mess. The Bible comes into our lives. Somebody teaches us. Somebody preaches. Someone shares God's word with us. And God uses his powerful word to begin a reorientation process where we go from chaos to order. Not perfect order. Not there yet. But the process begins. And it is a beautiful thing. And if you have been born again This has happened to you. You're on the path. You are in that place of ongoing incremental progressive sanctification or transformation. You're not turning over new leaves. It's not a life of starts and stops and trial and error, but it is a continual process of incrementalization that you're being transformed better and better and better. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I'm so glad that you are here. Let me restate that. You're listening to Life Over Coffee, and I'm still glad that you are here. This is episode 205. We do have two podcast networks. One is Your Daily Drive. I think that's the first time that I've ever done that. Don't remember Uh, But we do have Your Daily Drive, and they're on a bunch of platforms, including Spotify. And so you can listen to us mostly anywhere. And so if I've written an article, what I do with my articles, I put them in audio format, and that is the beginning and the end of Your Daily Drive. So you can listen to all of our articles in audio as I get to them. We have a bunch of articles on our website, well over 1,500 of them. And I started in 2015 of putting them in audio, in podcast, and so I still have a whole bunch of them to go. Uh, I said that it would be a five-year plan when I started in 2015, and we're heading toward 2020 rapidly. It's just around the corner, and I'm not even close. And so I have a lot of podcasts to go with Your Daily Drive We have over a 1,000 podcasts out there, both of our networks, Your Daily Drive and and Life Over Coffee, Um, but I still have quite a few to get them articles all complete, but we're moving. Uh, We're getting there moment by moment. But then the other network is Life Over Coffee, and that's what you are listening to here now. This is episode 205, and so that's how many of these podcasts that we have. I've titled this one, From Chaos to Order, The Powerful Word of God. And if you want to look at the show notes, the the Life Over Coffee, they are not articles. They are show notes, which is in the podcast world. That's what they call them. And people do them in different iterations, but I typically give some kind of an outline of what I am sharing so that you can go to the show notes and you can read. Plus, there's more resources there as well. Lots of times there's videos, there's graphics, there's links to other articles and other things that can be there. Sometimes I'm talking about this topical idea, like from chaos to order, the powerful word of God. Other times I'll be doing an interview. Sometimes I answer questions. We do get a lot of questions that people ask from our ministry And I really do appreciate those, and it really 
keeps my ear to the ground, to keep my my finger on the pulse of what people are going through and how they struggle, and it impacts how I write. Uh, I don't want to write in a detached way. I want to write in a practical way that helps people, that touches them, reaches them right where they are. And so I really do appreciate the questions that are asked. It keeps my mind tuned to how can I bring the Word of God to bear in lives practically, and that's what this podcast is about. And so I would appeal to you, if you don't mind, if you would share this with someone, and I haven't said this in a long time, but if you go on any of the podcasting networks and just write a review of this podcast or Your Daily Drive, it really does help. Uh, it, It signals to the platform that this is a podcast that people are interested in, and and it will expand the reach to more people, and I really would appreciate it. I do have an infographic inside of this one, and I would love it if you would use this infographic. I'm going to explain this infographic in this podcast, and it's why I'm doing the podcast. I have over 100 infographics on our website, and I am working through a process of of creating an explainer podcast for each one of those infographics. And this one is titled From Chaos to Order because that's what the infographic communicates. When God speaks, the world comes into existence. That's what his word does. We are creationists. We believe that there is a God. We believe that he created the world, he created everything that we know and see and understand. And you see this in the first two chapters of Genesis where the Lord was in creative mode, and then he stopped talking. And when he stopped talking, what was happening? Our earth was rotating in perfect order. He spoke into the chaos And his word brought order out of that chaos. And we have an earth that is rotating in perfect order. We have land and sea, and we have uh, the sun and the moon, and we have human beings, and we have animals and vegetation. God's word is potent. potent. It was a job well done. And then he spoke again. And we see this in 2 Timothy 3.16, and you know that passage of Scripture. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. He's breathing again. He's breathing out. And all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable. It's profitable for what? Paul says it's profitable for four things, for teaching, for reproving, for correcting, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. And in this second time that God spoke, or he breathed in 2 Timothy 3.16, he gave us the words that we needed to live a a life of, of godliness. He gave us all that we need for a life of godliness. Not only can we live a a well-ordered, live in a well-ordered, inhabitable world as he created in Genesis 1 and 2. But we can experience the ordering of God in our souls as we see in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. God brings peace. Shalom. The word picture for peace is a, a put-together, stable, 
rock wall. Think about some scene that maybe you have seen this, like where sheep are gathered in Europe somewhere, and you see a, a rock wall, and it's perfectly put together. And that is a picture of what Shalom looks like. Before that, it was just rocks laying out all over the place. A person who lacks shalom is a broken down wall. And so what God does in our lives is he, he comes through the power of his word and he takes the rocks and he stacks them together and cements them. However you build rock walls, I'm not sure. But what you have is a finished product and it is together. It is put together. God's people are put together. God puts us back together again and he does this by his transformative word. Our problem is that we don't know how to use the Bible in such a way that it transforms us into sane people. All of us are insane to varying degrees, of course. There are, there's a spectrum here of insanity. All of us are insane. The sane person, the only sane person that ever lived is Jesus Christ, and so you could you can think of Jesus Christ as way out there somewhere, and we are all moving toward him, you could say. Uh, the title of the podcast here is From Chaos to Order. You could say from insanity to sanity. And we won't be perfectly sane until we meet Jesus in heaven, but we are progressively getting better. And so, But our problem is, is that we, we don't know how to use the Bible practically so that we can be transformed into sane people. And there are two demographics that struggle this way. There are two large people groups who do not know how to apply the Bible to their lives practically so they can move from insanity to being sane. One people group are unbelievers. Another people group are us, believers. The thing with unbelievers is they, they can't change. They can't change because in the change process, first of all, it's spiritually discerned. I don't know if you were old enough to have these types of reflective thoughts where you, you could remember how you thought as an unbeliever, but God did not regenerate me until I was 25 years old, and so I have a lot of thoughts as an unbeliever that I remember. And it's really helpful for me, to be honest with you, to think back on what I thought about and how I thought when I was an unbeliever. And, and I remember the thoughts that I had toward Christians. I could not understand Christianity at all. It was, the Christians are a weird group of people. They are scary, and I don't want to be like them. And when I think about the world and how the, how the culture just amps up their, their hostility, toward us. Now I'm on the other side. I understand why they do that, because they can't understand us. Because to understand us and how we think is spiritually understood. It's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person, an unbeliever, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly. They are foolishness to the natural person. The natural person is not able to understand these things because they are spiritually discerned. I don't get uptight about the culture not understanding me, and I think some Christians get bogged down at this point as though unbelievers should act like Christians. They can't. 
the Bible doesn't make any sense to them. They don't want the Bible to make any sense to them. They are hostile toward God, God's things, God's ways, God's people. But there's another element here that we need to think about as well. Not only is the transformation process in God, in God's people, not only are those things spiritually discerned, understood, but God is the one that grants repentance. Nobody can wake themselves up from the dead. God is the one that wakes us up. Lazarus couldn't do anything until Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And as Paul taught us in Ephesians 2, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so expecting dead people to be moral people, that that is expecting too much. They can only go so far with that. And they do have consciences, as we learn in Romans 2, 14 and 15, to where they have an internal moral thermostat that they can't obey, but even their consciences are skewed because it's not informed by God's Word. But the other demographic that has a hard time changing are believers. Some believers do not know how to make their Bible studies practical. They can attend a zillion Bible studies and continue to live in thought captivity, strongholds captured in their minds, or they can have horrible relationships, caveat, it does require two in a relationship to change, because I can hear some of you saying right now, Rick, I want to change, and I I want to have a, a fantastic relationship, and as much as I try, my spouse is not given an inch. He or she is stuck in their stubbornness, and they will not change. I do understand that. And so when I say that they can attend a zillion Bible studies and continue to live in thought captivity or horrible relationships, I realize it takes two. Both people have to be willing to do what is dependent upon them and to apply the Bible practically in their life. But even if one person doesn't change, many times the other individual is lost on how to apply practical peace from the Bible. The title of the podcast is episode 205, From Chaos to Order, the Powerful Word of God. I have an infographic here, and on that infographic, there are there are three scriptures that I want to share with you because these three scriptures are linked together in the Bible, linked together in the New Testament, and they speak to what the Bible can do. They are Galatians 6, 1, Mark 1, 19, and Hebrews 11, 3, and I'll read those to you. In Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. The word that I want you to see here is the word restore. Of course, we know that the New Testament's in Greek, and so there's a Greek word here that's been translated restore. And that Greek word appears in these other two texts, and so I want to share these other two texts to you to hopefully give some light on, on what Galatians 6.1, what Paul is teaching us. Again, he says, brother, if anyone is caught in any transgression, anybody having a hard time, anybody in a trap that they can't get themselves out of, then this is what the Bible can do. What you're supposed to do is you come alongside them and you restore them. Now, what I'm saying is that the Word of God is the primary tool that we use in the restoration of a caught person. 
But this Greek word for restore in Galatians 6.1 is also in Mark 1.19, and Mark 1.19 says this, And going on a little farther, he, Jesus, saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. The word restore in Galatians 6, 1 is the word mending in Mark 1, 19. You could say that a person who is caught in a transgression, they need mending. For those of you who are in the, the fishing business, there's a lady in Alaska. I've done a couple of conferences up there in Saldatna, and one lady, she, she has something to do with the fishing business, as a lot of people do in Alaska, by the way. But she understood this idea of mending because she mends nets. She has done that on occasion, and so that word picture was, was very important to her. She could grasp on this idea of how to restore someone, and so we all have broken nets. Your nets are broken. My nets are broken. My nets were a catastrophe. My nets were shredded when I was 25 years old. And God has been using his word to mend the nets of my life ever since then. And so if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. You should mend the nets, same Greek word. And then he, in Hebrews 11:3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created. There's the word. Restore, mending, created. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And that's why I was talking about at the top of this podcast that, that God's, God speaks his word. This is what Hebrews 11.3 was teaching. That's what we see in Genesis 1 and 2, that the universe was created, restored, mended, by the word of God. And so God speaks his word. And so Hebrews 11:3, the universe was created by the word of God, is tied to Mark 1:19. They were in their boat mending the nets, but more importantly, it's tied to Galatians 6:1. You who are spiritual should restore him. Speak God's word into his life so he can go from chaos to order. The caught person cannot extricate himself from the trap. And this is a call of every Christian to be on the lookout for those captured by sin. Now, who are those people that are captured by sin? This is the easy part. It's everybody. All of us are captured by sin. Nobody's living the perfect life. Nobody can say that I am completely unhooked from the tentacles of sin. You have a pet sin, whatever it is. You have a weakness, whatever it may be. You have an issue in your life, whatever you want to call it. But we are all captured in some way. Now, that doesn't have to be a negative thing at all, and I hope it doesn't sound negative to you. In fact, if it sounds negative to you, it, it reveals your understanding of theology and soteriology and this doctrine of sanctification or harmoniology, the doctrine of sin, etc. It reveals that you have a weakened view of that because to be captured should not be a despairing thing for the believer because we have hope. Our hope is in the restoring God. Our hope is in the community. 
way that God uses as a catalyst to help us to change, but more importantly, God's word is potent and it is transformative. And so it's the call of every Christian to be on the lookout for those captured by sin, and that is all of us. The most vital thing for all of us to do is to stop pretending that we've figured out how to overcome all sin because we have not. We have problems. Now, one of the benefits of that, I'll put benefits in quotation marks if that makes you feel better, but one of the benefits of that is that you can sympathetically see your brother or sister caught in a trap, sympathetically because you realize that you too have your own issues, and so as you come to your brother or sister with the log firmly planted in your eye, and as you help them with the speck that has them in a trap, you'll come to them with a broken heart. And you will ask God to give you the discernment to cooperate with him because you want to be on God's restoration team. All Christians should be actively thinking about others with the hope of serving them in their sanctification. This is what the Hebrew writer was saying in 1024 a short verse, but it goes like this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I want to focus on the word consider here. Let us consider, meaning that you are premeditatively, you're not living in the spontaneous where you see someone and you start considering them. No, you're considering them at home before you ever make it to your church building You're considering them on Tuesday, even though you're not talking to them for a while. We spend time with people on our hearts. We are considering them, and we're asking God to to show us a way, to give us insight, to give us the courage if we need that to happen. Let us consider how to stir one another up, and that's what all Christians should be doing actively, premeditatively thinking about others with the hope of serving them in their sanctification. If you want a great resource on this idea of transformation, then I I would encourage you to get my book, Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook. We have had scores of people to read this book multiple times and to write back and communicate. In fact, someone just said today on the forum, it was Ashley, she said today on the forum that she's reading that book and God is helping her to think through some things. And so the Change Me book is a paperback book that you can get on Amazon, but this book is a collection of some of our best content in a logical order to help you in the change process, and I highly recommend that you would, not because I wrote it, it's, it's not about that. We, I have just seen the effectiveness of it because that book has sat on our website for years as article content, and as many of you know, my articles are eventually turned into books, and so it's been on our website for a number of years, and then I collected 30-something of these articles and made 30-something chapters and put them in the book, and so it has been field-tested. There's a link here in these show notes, and if you want to get it, I would encourage you to do so. Use it in a small group. We've had churches order them in bulk, and they use them in their small group context, and I However you want to use it, just please use it as you're helping one another, sharpening one another in the sanctification process. Episode 205, From Chaos, From Insanity to Order to Sanity.
the powerful Word of God. I have a call to action here, and we'll wrap things up, but there's an excellent template for what God's Word can do, and I've already mentioned this passage of Scripture to you at the beginning. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul gives us four sequential words, each one building on the next, that leads to being complete and equipped for every good work. I'll give you some questions about these words in just a moment, but I want you to hear the text. You know it well, but I want you to hear it, and I want to dial in on these four words. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, all Scripture is breathed out for God and profitable for, one, teaching, two, for reproof, three, for correction, four, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want you to follow the sequence here. God's Word is profitable for these four things in this order. Teaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So teaching has to be first. Without the teaching, speaking, communicating, sharing of God's Word, then nothing else can happen. But when God's Word is shared, the second thing that's going to happen is reproof. It's going to knock you down. It's going to cause you to stop. It's going to create a pause in your life, and you're going to reflect. It may hurt. It may convict, but it will, it will begin to, to shake you up, and that's what God's Word does, and that's profitable. And so you hear the Word of God, however it is shared, in whatever context it may be. Your soul is, is breaking down reproof, and then the third word is correction, now you're feeling the correction of God. He is standing you back up. The idea here is like a broken arm that's being set. Your arm is being set. So it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction. Now it's being set. You're going a different way. Repentance is actually in play now. And now you're ready for ongoing training in righteousness, and that is the sequence. Now, at the end of this podcast, I have questions here, and I won't be able to go through all of these questions, but there are about 18 of them, maybe. There's a pretty good list here, and I would encourage you to get on episode 205 and that you look at these questions because I have a set under the word teaching, another set under the word rebuking or reproof, and another set under the word correction. I don't have any under training in righteousness, but if you work through these three sets for teaching, reproving, correction, well, guess what? You will be on the path. You will be training in righteousness. Let's look at a few of these questions. Teaching. Are you teachable? Are you easy to teach? Teenager, go to your parents and say, am I teachable? Am I easy to teach and have a good discussion? Parents, go to your teenager. Let's flip it around and say, teenager, am I easy to teach? Am I teachable? Here's another one. Is it easy for people to care for you because of your hunger for teaching? How about this? Do you seek to be taught by those who are competent enough to instruct you? Or do you hang around in a peer group where everybody's intelligence and everybody's wisdom and everybody's walk with the Lord is about the same? No. Do you have a Paul in your life who is instructing you, Timothy? Or do you seek to be taught by those? Do you seek to be taught by those who are competent enough to instruct you? Here's another one. 
does your guardedness about your reputation hinder others from speaking into your life? Let me, there's a few more questions here under teaching, but let me jump to rebuking or reproving. Can you be rebuked? Can you receive the corrective observations of others? I'm talking about corrective observations from those who compassionately rebuke you. When others reprove you, how do you initially respond? That would be an excellent assessment to see where you are diagnostically with the Lord. A third one here, when reproved, are you more focused on the person who said it and how they said it or how you can humbly respond? Now, this is an interesting question here because there is no way that anybody can reprove you perfectly. It's not going to happen in this lifetime. You can always pick apart what somebody says. I mean, maybe you can only get down to 1% of uh, to what they said is wrong. I can't find much about what you said, but 1% of it is wrong. Now, perhaps you can find 90% of what they said was wrong. But what are you focusing on? Do you see, is there a, a modicum of truth in there that you can apply to your life. You can address what's wrong with them, of course. You can serve them that way. But is your first response to try to see the truth woven into however the rebuke, rebuke was given to you, especially if it was a poor reproof? There are more questions here. There's another set here under correction. I would love for you to jump on here. Episode 205, From Chaos to Order, The Powerful Word of God. Let's get transformed. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.